Thank you, Logan. Uh, we all have pictures of our dads. Uh, in Christ, we all share that dad she sang about. A God who says, just talk to me. I love you. Just share your heart. Makes all the difference. I want to start out this morning. You know, it's interesting. I, I thought about, you know, Mother's Day, we lift moms up and, and we thank God for their wonderful influence in our lives. Typically, when Father's Day comes along, what we preachers do is we let the men have it to step them up. And what can I say? I'm under peer pressure. We're going to have one of those this morning. But I, I thought I would start out with... Uh, a give a little bit of uh, good tidings to the guys. Uh, I saw this yesterday as I was, every once in a while I'll catalog examples and illustrations. And this is in my catalog that's uh, overflowing. I better get to it or I'll never catch up. Four years old, my daddy can do anything. Seven years old, my dad knows a lot, a whole lot. Twelve years old, oh well, naturally father doesn't know that either. Fourteen years old. Father, hopelessly old-fashioned. 21 years old. Mm, that man's out of date. So out of date. What do you expect? 25 years old. He knows a little bit about it. Not much. 30 years old. Well, maybe we ought to find out what Dad thinks. 35 years old. Let's ask Dad what he would do before we make a decision. 40 years old. I wonder what Dad would have thought about that. He was pretty smart. 50 years old. My dad knew absolutely everything. 60 years old. I'd give anything if dad were here so I could talk this over with him. I really miss that man. So, Okay, I didn't mean to get choked up on that. Then I would. Uh, two scriptures this morning for the scripture reading. And uh, entitled this message is simply a challenge to men. First Chronicles 12.32 in the Old Testament. And then we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14 in the New Testament as we discuss a challenge to the guys. Uh, so um, I ask when you find that to stand in God's honor, 1 Chronicles 12, 32. One verse as we jump to the New Testament afterward. Men of Issachar, who understood the times and knew what Israel should do, 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. And then 1 Corinthians 16. Thirteen and 14. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. Let's pray. Lord, death. Uh, we need you, Lord. We always do. Sometimes we just forget. Father, help us this morning. Lord, uh, you know, the focus is on the guys, but Lord, it's really for all of us, Lord. We need you. And I just pray that you might speak this morning. Uh, say a lot more than I ever could. Speak to the heart, Lord. Help us be honest, as Logan's saying. To, Lord, just lay it out there, Father to be who you want us to be, God. And as, as a man, help us to think about what it means to really be a man. 
Not somebody to beat it out. <laughs> somebody to love it in. And I just pray for that, Lord. We need you to speak. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, I, I thought about our culture, and I thought about when I was a kid and some of the sitcoms I used to enjoy watching. And just a couple of names of the guys that may ring a bell. Uh, Ozzie Nelson, Andy Taylor, Steve Douglas, the dad on My Three Sons, Ward Cleaver, golly, Jeannie Beaver, uh, Jim Anderson from Father Knows Best. Uh, just a few. And you think about those men, and they were men who were respected and men the family went to, uh, to to gain some foundation. And I won't even start naming names of some of the, the dads on sitcoms now, but it seems so often when I turn on those sitcoms, the dad doesn't have a clue. And he's actually the brunt of the joke. He's not a leader. He's one everybody's kind of puts up with. Guys, uh, George Barna did a study of our last 30 years, what's happened in our culture, what's happened in our society. And a part of that is we've seen the change in the view of what it means to be a man in American culture. What's happened? Has it gotten better? What's happened? Well, here's just a few stats. A 560% increase in violent crime. 400% increase in illegitimate births. A quadrupling in the divorce rates. Single parent homes have tripled. A 400% increase in teen suicides and a drop of 80 points in SAT scores. You see, we're in desperate times. I was thinking just myself, and I told this to somebody the other day, guys, when I was a kid, I remember this, that if, if um, people who struggled with homosexuality, it was classified as a mental disease, as a disorder. Now I'm the one who has the disorder because I'm considered homophobic. Our culture has drastically changed in our views and, and in what we see. And, and so often, as I look around, men, men that are biblically described masculinity is missing, is absent is nowhere to be found, and it's so needed. We have a culture that mixes everything up. Uh, righteousness and sin is, is all a bunch of gray areas. But yet the Scripture's not like that. It's, it's really clear. Here's sin, here, here's righteousness, and here's what it looks like as you read in the Bible. But it's not that way in our culture. It's all kind of murky water. And as I thought about that, when you try to combine the two, what do you get? You get right sin. And there's never right sin with righteousness and sin. It just doesn't work that way. And, and, and we, we are in desperate times and we need men that love Jesus. Men who have a heart for Him and men who are willing to, to stand up and to love. Um, and and this, is, this is shown foremost in the home. Um, this need for men. That's not arrogance. It's confidence that's God-given that flows from His Spirit. And there's such a need for that. First Chronicles 12.32 Now, you know... This section of Scripture is not for the faint-hearted. It's got all those long, hard words of names. I remember one preacher I heard, and as he was reading, he'd just come to some of these names, and he'd just say, hard word, hard word, 
Because, you know, how do you pronounce some of these things? Uh, but you come down to verse 32 here, and it's an amazing verse. Right in the, the midst of all these names, <laughs> uh, these men of Judah, these soldiers, and, and it's numbered, the different soldiers. And then you come to David's Navy SEALs, <laughs> his army rangers, his his men of valor that stood beside David and that stood for the Lord. In verse 32, it's really significant here. It describes these guys, it says, Men of Issachar. Look at this. It says, Who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. Now we're talking about all of Israel. And he, he speaks out about 200 specific guys who were leaders, and it said that their families followed them. And why did they follow them? Because they loved the Lord and they loved their families. They were real men who had a heart for what matters. They were honest about what it's really like and their need of God and their need to be loved and their need to love others. Uh, This was key, and I think it's so critical. He says they understood their times. They're able to look around and see what was really happening. They, They didn't just hide their head in the sand and say, well, we'll just see what happens. But they they prayed fervently and they said, God, show me what I'm to do. Show me how I'm to lead my family. Show me how I'm to love my wife, how I'm to love my kids, how I'm to love my nation. Show me what you want of me, God. This was the kind of men these guys were. They they had courage. They they were able to see what was really happening. They were able to read between the lines. And that's critical, (laughs) to be able to read between the lines. Not just to see what's happening, but to see. To see with discernment. This is what the sons of Issachar were like. And there's still that need today. In America, there's a huge need for men who are men, who have that kind of heart. Um, You can't underestimate how key that is. Uh, What's it like to be a Christian man? That's what I want to look at this morning in a challenge as we move over to 1 Corinthians 16. So go ahead and move over there with me because that's where our message is going to center. On just two verses... That have some amazing truths that we want to focus upon this morning. Um, he, he starts out here, the first one, excuse me, he says, uh, Be on your guard. Be on your guard. Guys, in the message, it's translated, um, Keep your eyes open. As I just mentioned, don't don't walk around saying, well, you know, this will take care of itself. It's intentional. Hey, guys, families fall apart. Lives are shattered when people just hope for the best but aren't willing to dig in deep and to do what what is needed. To be on your guard. Um, It's just so critical. Just a couple of of pieces of instruction here um, to be on your guard. First, to fight against erosion. To fight against erosion. What is natural is for erosion to occur. You know, when we think about erosion, we think of soil and we think of cliffs and how the cliff line moves due to erosion. And this is a, a study from Cape Cod in the coastal, um, it's an, a, a coastal erosion case study. And the study um, showed about the erosion rate of the bluffs in a certain area that it eroded a half a foot a year or less and 50 foot every 100 years. And what would happen, people would say, well, you know, that's eroding so slowly, we really don't have to worry about it. 
But in truth, when they studied it, guys, they found out that as the bluffs eroded, um, it was much more usually than a half a foot a year. What would happen is over the course of, of two to seven years, it would erode up to 15 feet. And then there would be 30 or 40 years where there was very little erosion. And then what happened over time, suddenly, guys, you know, the cliff's up against your house. You thought you were way back there. But the, the ground is moving away. Uh, the ground is giving way. It's giving in. And, and, and here's the challenge. Guys, we don't fall into these holes. Our families aren't destroyed and fall apart overnight. It's over time. And what typically happens is our lives erode. We don't have a foundation in Jesus Christ. We're not really a people of the Word. We don't really take time to pray. Um, and, and, and just slowly and, and quietly, uh, our lives erode. And, and if you have to ask the question, how did I get here? There's a good chance it happened because it quietly and slowly over years eroded. Because you weren't in tune with God. A second piece of advice in this, fight passivity like the plague. Fight passivity. like Be on your guard. Because what happens, we're just naturally passive. And you know, I heard one guy say, you know, after 50, uh, the, the natural thing for a guy is just to gel out. Now, I'm 49, so I like that, un, uh, you know, over 50. But unfortunately, I, I think I'm a, a ahead of my times. I think maybe I hit there before 50. You know, and a good example of this, of course, we know is that device that we all tend to really love called a remote control. You know, you grab those things, you sit on the couch, oh, man, this is awesome, you know, click, click. And what happens when the batteries run out? You know, i got to go get the battery. I may have to get up and cut the TV on and really turn the channels. Because, you know, that thing, man, that's great. I can just sit there and just gel out and watch TV and, you know, put the brain in neutral and the body in uh, absentee and, and just, you know, just hang out, just just gel out. And, and um, But there's a need to be intentional. When was the last time, guys, your kids saw you and your wife pray together? When was the last time they walked into a room and saw you praying with her? And when was the last time you talked with your wife about some scripture? When was the last time you just sat down together and said, Hey, I read this scripture verse. Let's talk about it. Let's share it. Guys, you have to be intentional. You have to be on your guard. Because if you're not, you know, there's that old saying that we're going to follow the path of least resistance. We're, we're not going to move up closer to God. Our, the natural tendency is to move away from Him. He doesn't move away from us. We move away from Him. It's erosion. And God says, be on your guard. You have to be intentional about me. Remember me. Remember me. Second, look at the next verse here in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Next part, I mean, not next verse, next part of the verse. Stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the faith. Guys, this is talking about convictions. It's talking about being a man of, this is who I am and this is where I'm going to stand. I want to be firm here. This is what it means to follow God. This is real masculinity. It's not beating somebody with a baseball bat. <laughs> That's not I'm tough. No, tough is being willing to stand for what lasts forever. And that the people who love you most... Are, I love that old saying. I remember I hear uh, John Maxwell said years ago, he said, it's the best definition I ever heard of respect. When the people that know you best respect you most. That's what we're talking about here. 
Being firm in the faith. Um, being firm in, in following God. Uh, you know, it, it deals with purity. And I mean, let's face it, the way purity is uh, depicted all around us, it almost sounds like a feminine word. Like, you know, something for girls. Something for women. Clean as a driven snow. I want my wife to be a, a virgin when I marry her. What about the guy? That God's intention is for the man to be every bit as pure. To be set aside for him and for his purposes. And to follow him and to love him. So let's, let's just get into the nitty gritty of it. In your office, where you work, how do you fight against flirting? When there's an attractive woman near you and, 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 and you, you find yourself wanting to give her attention or she notices you, how do you fight against that? How, when there's a temptation and you, know, you, you say, oh, everybody does it, this won't hurt much, you know, just give in a little bit. No, it's erosion and God says, don't do it. It'll, it'll break you down. It'll break your family down. And then years later, you'll say, how would I get here? Or maybe it won't be years later. <laughs> how would I get here? Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Have, have those convictions. Um, how about, here's one that's real to our hearts this day and time, pornography. Hey, guys, when I was a, you know, when I was a teenager, you know, if, if you were going to you know, get one of those magazines, you had to get the courage to go in the little convenience store and walk up there, and somebody had to, have to check it out, and you had to pay for it. I mean, you know, there was a little bit of, ooh, I don't know if I want to do this, you know. Now, you just cut on your computer, and, and you know, I find I'm surfing through the Internet, I have stuff I wasn't even trying to look at, and suddenly, boom, it's kind of there. I'm like, how do I get, what's this? 80% of pornography now is uh, through the Internet. And, and from what I heard, it's moving quickly more toward in the 90 percentile of, of how it's being spread. How do you deal with that, guys? How do you deal with the temptation of pornography? How, how, how do you deal with taking God seriously? Um, Annie Dillard, in her book, The Writing Life, tells of an experiment with butterflies where you had a, a male butterfly and a female butterfly. And what they did, they took a, a cardboard butterfly, a picture of a butterfly, that was a lot bigger than the female butterfly. And uh, this poor female butterfly, she was like flapping her wings to attract the male. But all he saw was this bigger-than-life beautiful butterfly. So he flew over to the cardboard like, whoa, you look really good, and hung out over there, you know, oh, this is what I want. And, and she's frantically flapping her, you know, flapping her wings, trying to get his attention. But he's ignoring her. Why? Because he's looking at something bigger than life, something that caught his attention, that, that hit his lust. And she went on to say, that's what happens in pornography. The guy's looking at something and, and oh, look at this. While the, women in, the woman in his life, well, I, I'm worried. The woman in his life, <laughs> yeah, you called me. <clears throat> Slip it there. The woman in his life is just being neglected right there. At the end of this, uh, she writes, um, staring at painted cardboard butterflies, they're squandering their own resources and defrauding the real living, breathing females in their homes. But then you don't have to establish a relationship with cardboard butterflies. You don't have to put up with their failures, nor do they have to live with you and discover yours. There are no expectations from you. You don't have to communicate with them. An inviting smile is painted on their faces, and they don't even know you. 
This is real stuff. I, I remember several years ago, it, they were saying at one of the Promise Keepers meetings, when that was you know big, where the guys had come together, that a huge number of the guys, I can't remember the percentage now, were struggling with internet pornography. This is not new, but I think it's getting worse. Because it's so easy. Sin tries to hide and tells you nobody knows. And that's never God's intent. He, he wants us to be honest and real, just like Logan sang about. Because sin destroys, it separates, causes pain. Um, causes pain. All right, let's move on here. Um, be men of courage is the next part of this verse. <laughs> guys, love what it means to really be a man. Uh, get together with other guys. Uh, you know, be able to talk openly, uh, be accountable to one another, uh, share your hearts. Uh, but, you, of course, you have to pick the right guys you know that you can trust <laughs> and really pour your heart out to you and, and do that your whole life. And I have to admit, I've really dropped the ball on this through the years. I've had several friends I've called and said, would you be an accountability party partner for me? And, and I just haven't followed through like I should with some of these guys, people I love and trust. There's been several. Chuck Swindoll. Of course, one of the preachers I've listened to for years, seeing I've referred to him as Uncle Chuck. We've listened to him so much. Uh, but Chuck talked about accountability group he's been a part of for years. And there are several questions here they share when they come together. I just want to share them with you. I, I thought these were great. First question, have you been with a woman this week in a compromising situation? That puts pressure on. <laughs> have any of your financial dealings lacked integrity? Have you exposed yourself to sexually illicit material since we last met? <laughs> Have you spent adequate time alone in Bible study and prayer? Have you spent quality time with your family? Have you fulfilled the mandates of your vocation? Have you just lied to me? Man, we're talking about being real. We're, we're talking about Take, you know, taking off those layers that keep us from really growing in Christ. Last one here. Be strong. Be strong. It's a word for integrity. It, it just comes with setting some simple goals. What can you do to grow as a man? Okay, let's look at some simple stuff. Maybe, maybe you say, you know, I need to lose a few pounds or... I need to, you know, run more or lift more weights or, or whatever, you know, from that point of view. Uh, maybe I need to do that dreaded thing and do a real budget and need to be disciplined in the money we spend. Maybe I need to be a better husband. We need to have a date night once a week. I mean, you know, goals. Think about uh, what does God want me to do to be um, the man he wants me to be? These kind of things are, 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 are critical. Uh, and reaffirm that and, and do it. Be strong. Be, uh, be a guy that does it. I have shared this before, but it's a powerful thing to me. Um, the other side of this and being strong is I think it is healthy for us to step back when we face a temptation and say, oh, man, I want to do that. I know it's wrong, but I just want to do it. To take a piece of paper and say, okay, if I do this, what could happen? What are the consequences? Randy Alcorn, read a, uh, he wrote a thing years ago. Um, 
called Consequences of a Moral Tumble. He, he thought about what would happen if I was to uh, meet a woman and, you know, have an affair. I almost hate that word affair. It sounds so nice. Yeah. Adultery. Have adultery with this woman. What would be the consequences of that? I'm just going to read to you. I thought it, instead of uh, I'll interject the name of my family in here, take a little liberty to make it more personal for me. Uh, he says, whenever I feel particularly vulnerable to sexual temptation, I find it helpful to review what effects my action could have. Grieving the Lord who redeemed me, dragging his sacred name into the mud, one day having to look Jesus, the righteous judge, in the face and give an account of my actions, following in the footsteps of these people whose immorality forfeited their ministries and caused me to shudder. And he says, list names. But we all know people who have been broken. Remember that too. Inflicting untold hurt on Cindy, my best friend and loyal wife. Losing Cindy's respect and trust. Hurting my beloved kids, uh, Lydia, Nathan, Matthew, and Daniel. Destroying my example and credibility with my children and nullifying both present and future efforts to teach them to obey God. Why listen to a man who betrayed mom and us? If my blindness should continue or my wife be unable to forgive, perhaps losing my wife and my children forever, causing shame to my family, why isn't daddy a pastor anymore? Losing self-respect, creating a form of guilt awfully hard to shake. Even though God would forgive me, would I forgive myself? Forming memories and flashbacks that could plague future intimacy with my wife. Wasting years of ministry training and experience for a long time, maybe permanently. Forfeiting the effects of years of witnessing to my father and my family. And reinforcing uh, his distrust for ministers that's only begun to soften by my example. I could say that with my sister. Perhaps permanently. Undermining faithful example and hard work of other Christians in our community. Bringing great pleasure to Satan, the enemy of God, and all that's good keeping judgment and endless difficulty on the person with whom I committed adultery, possibly bearing physical consequences of such. Wow! Can you see how powerful that is? When you stop and you think, this is the result. This is what sin will do. There's, Wow! Be strong, guys. Be strong. Be strong. One last one uh, as we close. Uh, do everything in love. In verse 14. Um, I'm going to take part of a great quote here I love by Donald Barthouse and kind of interject some thoughts as I go through the quote. Um, And he takes a fruit of the Spirit talking about love. He says, love is the key. Now, I want you to think about, when you get ready to do something, what a great question to always ask. When I do this, will it demonstrate love to that person? How much do we do that shows people we love them? So often we do it because we want to feel good about us. Uh, next one here, he says, uh, joy is love singing. Man, what about an attitude? Sandy and I were joking the other day. We, uh, I hope it's joking. We, when we were on vacation and, and Cindy's brother got, he's got a couple of grandkids, four and maybe two, something like that. And Anyway, uh, they are a handful, but he was very impatient. 
And uh, we were talking about, you know, man, we don't want to be impatient. We're older. And she just looked at me and said, you've got to stop being grumpy now. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, you know, your attitude, man, when people see you. I remember years ago, um, I would think, you know, when people see me, do they want to run from me or do, are they glad to see I'm coming? I had a friend of mine that was a young pastor, and uh, we, I was a young pastor too back then. And he said there was this lady that drove him crazy because she was always so negative. And he said one day he was in the grocery store and he didn't want to see her. So he'd hide and, and go to the next aisle. And he thought, I just don't want to hear her. And he's, you know, golly, it's Clarence, honey, and they don't know him. And, and, and so Clarence. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, next one here. Uh, Peace is love resting. Man, when you know you're loved, guys, that Jesus loves you, you can rest. How often do we not rest because we just worry? Long-suffering is love enduring. You're still there. We talked in Sunday school this morning, and Rachel about got me crying. I didn't tell her that. She said, you know, what really draws me here to Kingsway is the relationships. These are the people that care about me. And that doesn't happen in five minutes, does it? It happens over time. You've got to hang out with people to learn to love, to grow. So anyway, good stuff. Um, kindness is love's touch. Wow. Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. needs to be the habit of our life. This is a good one. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. What happens with love? I'm not the topic of conversation all the time. Cindy and I like to kid about this country song that says, "You might have told me of this, honey." Where he says, um, uh, "You know, talking about maybe some, uh, talking about you, but sometimes I'm going to talk about me." You know, and and so that self forgetfulness. I don't always have to be the center of everything. That's love. Self control is love holding the reins. Love hold. Does love hold the reins in your life? Uh, a quick quote by Oswald Chambers and a closing example, and I'm done. Oswald Chambers and his book, My Most for His Highest. I used to read it through every year, and I, I haven't in a while. Man, powerful stuff. You know, it's one of those things I have to read it three times and know what's there. <laughs> and I won't read this three times. Don't worry, but I'll, I'll try to read slow. He says, The knowledge that God has loved me beyond all limits will compel me to go into the world to love others in the same way. I may get irritated because I have to live with an unusually difficult person, but just think how disagreeable I've been with God. Isn't that something? Am I prepared to be identified so closely with the Lord Jesus Christ that His life and His sweetness will be continually poured out through me? Neither natural love nor God's divine love will remain and grow in me unless it's nurtured. Love is spontaneous, but it has to be maintained through discipline. Amen. Um, do it in love. I close with this example. <laughs> this is in uh, Wanger, and uh, the writer uh, wrote a book called Matthew 7, 8, and 9. And in the book, he talked about when his um, son Matthew was small, he had this problem where he would steal comic books. And there, he was trying to figure out how to deal with Matthew to get him to quit stealing comic books. So they tried every form of discipline they could think of. Finally, they said, we're going to have to spank that rascal. And so uh, dad would come in there. He would lay into that honey, man. He spanked him. 
The only trouble was, every time, by the end of it, he'd be crying. He'd have to go to the other room and cry after it was done because he didn't want his son to see him crying. Years later, Matthew and uh, his mom were reminiscing. And she said, do you remember when you used to steal comic books? He goes, yeah. And uh, he said, do you remember what made me stop? And she goes, uh, yeah, your dad, he spanked your honey good. I said, that's why he stopped. Oh, no. No. He said, I stopped because dad cried. Isn't it funny how what we think and what they see and I close with these uh, words that uh, Wenger wrote in his book here. He says, uh, Hereafter, let every accuser of my son reckon with the mercy of God and fall into a heap and fail. For love accomplished what the law could not, and tears more powerful than Sinai. Even the prince of accusers shall bring no charge against my son that the final judge shall not dismiss. Satan, you are defeated. <laughs> my God has loved Matthew, and you can stick your name there too. Let's pray. Lord, uh, okay, we've um, been honest here, Lord, and we've shared about uh, being a real man. And some of these principles, Father, certainly aren't just for men. And they're for every child of God, Lord. We are called to be set apart for you, and it matters, Lord. Pray this morning that your spirit would move among us, Lord. What are you up to? We want to listen to you. We want to follow you. We, we want to be in tune with you, O oh God. Um, Father, uh, whoever may need to come to this altar and pray, uh, Father, give them courage to come. Uh, Father, maybe there's one here who, Father, you just, you've spoken to their heart. They've heard the message over and over, but something clicked and, they said, I just want to give my heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Live in my heart. Give me hope um, because you're that kind of dad that I want to follow. You love me. And do that now. Um, Father, that's just what we want. And, and it, Father, maybe there's other dads here who, well, their life's been eroding for a while. And Father, you've spoken to them about some areas they need to change to stop the erosion. I, I just pray about that, Lord. I don't need to know, don't want to know some of them, really, uh, but uh, you know them and, and uh, these issues. And I just pray, Father, that your spirit would deal and that lives would be changed. And, Lord, that we'd all just walk out of here a little closer to Jesus. That's what we need. Uh, Father, as we have this time we call invitation, Lord, we invite you, Lord Jesus, to be completely over this time, Lord. And may we say yes to whatever you want. In your name we pray. Amen.